This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy. Welcome in, Jeff and Brian with you here on uh, this Thursday, January 7th. Uh, no Eric today because, uh, well, I mean, Eric's, I guess, well, he's not, I was about to say incapacitated, but like that sounds terrible. Like he's not incapacitated. <laughs> he's just, you know, we, we, uh, we're, we're doing this late, uh, a little bit later than usual because we're just, well, uh, this is as far as I'm going to go into on this. Okay. We're, frankly, we're a little shaken up and a little pissed about the events that took place yesterday. So we didn't record the show on Wednesday night like we usually do. We just wanted a, a night to kind of sleep on things before we decided to dive back into the sports thing. It just didn't seem like it would, would it would have been appropriate uh, yesterday. But, you know, it's slightly more appropriate today. But we realize that you come here for our podcast to get away from that all. And so we want to provide that to you. Uh, and so we shall. So, uh, like I said, it's me and Brian. Brian, how are you? Hi, Jeff. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Today. Great. So we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk hoops. Uh, actually, we're going to talk not hoops because we had a bunch of, uh, we had a, some major schedule transfers with UCF, um, given uh, uh, some COVID-19 issues that have popped up. Uh, and we're going to talk, we we're going to talk to the women's team, um, their win over Houston, which is a big conference win for them against a team that was projected to be, that is projected to be quite good in the American this year. And then later on, we'll talk about uh, Randy Shannon um, and the revelation from uh, Matt Michelle that Shannon's contract does go through the 2021 season. UCF has a new running backs coach, and we'll also uh, briefly riff on the Parker Boudreaux pro wrestling flirtation that's going on. So, yeah. uh, so that that's going to be that's going to be some exciting stuff. Believe me, because you know how interested I am in that. But uh, let's uh, let's start with basketball. So, <clears throat> the latest on uh, UCF's men's basketball schedule. Um, is this. So UCF's last game that they played, of course, was the seven-point loss uh, to South Florida. The uh, Initially, there was supposed to be the, uh, there was supposed to be a game against Memphis 9 p.m. Uh, on, uh, was it, gosh, was it uh, Monday, uh, Tuesday? Sorry. Yeah, Tuesday. For some reason, I thought it was Monday. It's so weird. Well, Monday, 9 p.m., right? But uh, it was supposed to be on Tuesday. That game got uh, canceled or postponed, rather, with Memphis in town um, mere hours before tip uh, due to COVID-19. Um, and then in addition to that, we just got word today that UCF's game at Tulsa, which was scheduled for this Saturday, January 9th, has also been postponed. So the next time we could see UCF men's basketball on the floor would be next Wednesday, January 13th, as they play in Philadelphia against Temple. So, um, Murph, you've been following things obviously pretty closely uh, in terms of the details and whatnot. What is going on with um, with the program right now? There is a there. There has been at least one that we know of, obviously, because of what's been put out there. There's been at least there is somebody within the UCF men's basketball program who has tested positive for COVID nineteen. So there have been positive tests according to the release from the from the program, and because of those positive tests. And contact tracing, the game against Memphis, and this upcoming game against Tulsa have both been postponed. Now, the Memphis game has already been rescheduled. Uh, so what's going to happen here is actually UCF will not play Memphis in Orlando this season. Instead, they will play Memphis twice in the span of three days 
in Memphis in early February. So the re- the makeup date for the postponed game will be February 1st in Memphis. And then they will play the regular scheduled game on February 3rd in Memphis. So, I mean, you've seen, I think, other conferences do this where you play opponents back-to-back to sort of lessen travel. But this is sort of being done now on the fly to, to you know, to sort of make up for what we've lost. You see we'll play two games in Memphis in early February. And then we do not know if the Tulsa game will be made up, when it will be made up. Um, even going back to the, the Tulane game, Jeff, that was canceled or post- postponed two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we asked Johnny Dawkins then, or it was only was it only a week ago? My God, time is, time is really flying. I don't by. get it, man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but we asked Johnny Dawkins after the after the USF loss if he had heard anything about that game against Tulane being rescheduled, and he said he didn't know at all. He'd leave that up to the league. So there are a couple of games, you know, with Tulane and Tulsa that might be rescheduled later on. We don't know. I'm sure the league would like to do that, but you need to sort of fit this in, fit, fit these into some tight windows here. And then Jeffrey, as you mentioned, UCF men's basketball's next game would come against Temple, but they're on a pause right now. They haven't played since December 30th. Their last two games have been, been postponed against Memphis and Tulane um, because of COVID-19. Yeah, they've had a number of COVID-19 problems going back a, a ways now, right? Right, and so this is this is and now their next game is scheduled for Monday, January 11th, before they play UCF in Philadelphia on uh, Wednesday, January 13th. But the way things are going there, I mean, it's it's I mean, it's it's just sort of uh, it's I don't know, it's a little morose that the two teams who are next to meet up, or like UCF's next opponent on the schedule, is also a team that's beset by with 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 you know COVID-19 cases. Like it's just. Um, but this is kind of what we had to expect, right? I feel like, you know, UCF fans, I hope UCF fans did not get comfortable with how football season played out. Because UCF football season was kind of a rare a rare bird in how not, once they started playing, none of their games were postponed or canceled. They got to play a bowl game. They got to play 10 games. And so it seemed like everything was great on the outside. The basketball, people should understand, is a completely different animal. It's an indoor sport. You have much smaller rosters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for these breakouts to happen, um, it's it's certainly depressing and concerning, and you wish the best for the players and whoever's infected. Um, but it's also not surprising at all. And this is something that players and coaches have had to sort of ready themselves for since the beginning of the year. And it, it's difficult. It's tough. You have obviously had to deal with this you know, early in the year through no fault of their own when the Oklahoma game got postponed due to positive tests within within, within the Oklahoma program. Then they had to push, push back the Houston game because Houston had positive tests. Well, now UCF's the one where, you know, the tests lie with them. And so we will see. We do not have any clue whether or not UCF will play its next game now scheduled for Wednesday, January 13th at Temple. Um, but we'll see. And we'll go from there. Hopefully we get to talk. To someone, uh, you know, either Coach Dawkins, probably Coach Dawkins, you know, later later this week or early next week. Um, but I, I think that's that's fully contingent on uh, whatever is plaguing the university, this program right now, being completely eradicated. The, by the way, if that Temple game, for whatever reason, also gets wiped, and like you said, you know, it, we have no reason to suspect that it would, but who knows at this point, then UCF's next game would be January 17th. That's a Sunday against Houston, at Houston, which you're looking at a 15-day layoff at that point. I mean, that's... Yeah, oof. yeah. I mean, again, this is this would be UCF's second 
I mean, assuming that the Temple game doesn't go through, this would be UCF's second basically two-week break during mm-hmm. the season already, and we're only, you know, a handful of games in. Remember, they had two weeks off because of the schedule changes, uh, you know, back in December between the Michigan and the Florida State games. Um, but it, it, it's it, I'm sure it's tough to juggle for Johnny Dawkins. I'm sure it's tough to get into a rhythm for the players, but uh, that is all very secondary and kind of frivolous to the fact that uh, we hope that everyone who uh, is infected uh, is, is, is okay and can come back and continue yeah. to play. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, basketball obviously being secondary. At this point, you know, the the standings in the American um, have Houston and Tulsa at the top at 4-1 and one in the conference. A three-way tie for third between SMU, Wichita, and Memphis at 2-1. and one. USF is at 2-3. and three. And then East Carolina, UCF, and Tulane tied at 1-2. and two in the league. Uh, as of right now, there are only two teams with sub 500 overall records and they're Temple and Cincinnati. Who would have thought that Cincinnati, huh? But, uh, uh, as of right now, that's what we're, th- that's what we're looking at. You got Houston has played 10 games this season. Tulsa's played 10 games. Memphis has t- played 10 games. UCF has played six. Temple's played three. So that tells you kind of just how hap- – I don't want to say haphazard. That's not right. But um, but just how cobbled together this season feels. And it's still the, – the puzzle is still not put into place right now. So, you know, we, we I wish we could talk more about what's happening on the floor. But there's nothing happening on the floor to talk about really with regard to the, to the men. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Are we going to hear from Coach Dawkins at some point soon, Brian, you think? We don't know. Uh, you know, usually they send out a release, you know, letting us know that he'll be available like a day or two before the next game. And so, you know, I was hoping for something today. Uh, and, of course, that didn't happen. I would hope that, uh, you know, if we do talk to Coach Dawkins, it probably wouldn't be any earlier than Monday. So we'll see uh, if that happens. And if it doesn't, then uh, I, I don't – It's yeah, well, everything's day by day, right? I mean, yeah. I know – I know it's 2021 and people want to celebrate the end of 2020, but people also, like I've said before on this podcast, like years are artificial constructs. They don't actually exist. The virus doesn't care. The the, the virus doesn't carry a calendar around with it. It's (laughs) yeah. I mean, I mean the earth. Yeah. I mean the earth and the sun don't exactly know when, when our year collapses in our Gregorian (laughs) calendars. So uh, again, it's just another, just really another day. And it does seem like this is 2020 extended. Um, so we'll take, we're taking everything day by day, guys, and it's, yeah. uh, it's going to be this way for the entire season. Yep, it's uh, it, it's <laughs> yeah. They always say you know when uh, when a player would be announced as day to day, like aren't we all? We literally are all right now. So that's the latest on the men's side. On the women's side, they are still playing hoops, however, and uh, UCF is coming off a big victory after two postponed games. Uh, including one in conference against Memphis that was scheduled for home. Uh, the women's team uh, did play on Sunday against Houston, and they got a big win uh, by nine points uh, over the Cougars, 55-46. to uh, 46. Um, They were down two. It's same thing time and time again, Murph. This always happens with this team. They, um, they were down two at the end of one. They were down four at the, at the half. And then the defense just took charge. It took charge in the uh, in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. Um, UCF held Houston to held uh, or uh, held Houston to fi- eighteen of fifty five from the field, which is thirty two percent. 
um, and six of 21 from beyond the arc. But what I thought was more impressive was they held uh, no Houston player scored in double figures. Their leading scorer was uh, Erica Sidney, who had nine points, um, all on three 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 pointers. Um, meanwhile, three uh, UCF Knights were in double figures. Uh, Tay Sanders, Diamond Battles, and Brittany Smith. Um, Sanders was uh, 5 of 13 and 7 of 11 from the line, 17 points and 10 rebounds. Great game for her. Um, Brittany Smith was 5 of 7 from the field for 12. And uh, Diamond Battles, even though she was 2 of 7 from the field, was 8 of 10 at the line. Um, and, uh, and that kept UCF uh, out in front, even though they had a pretty poor shooting first half. Uh, they shot over 50% in the second half, uh, 11 of, uh, or, or excuse me, just under 50% for the second half, 11 of 23 uh, from the field, and uh, took care of business against uh, against a pretty good Houston team, which was expected to contend in the American, and uh, well, here they are. They stand at 5-1, and 3-0 and in the conference, and uh, they go to ECU, uh, they get some, or, or excuse me. They uh, go to Temple on Saturday. They're also uh, scheduled to play at Temple uh, yeah. on uh, on Saturday at 2 p.m. That game will be on ESPN Plus, at least as of right now. Um, it's at Temple Saturday at ECU Wednesday before they're home for Cincinnati on Sunday, uh, January 17th, and, and which should be a uh, bit of a grudge match considering how um, how UCF season's uh, UCF's season. Ended last year to Cincinnati in the American uh, Semi. So, what are we thinking about this women's team right now? This is a good start, about as good as you can ask for. Um, <laughs> interestingly, their only loss was to Florida Gulf Coast, and they got and they got pretty well handled in that game uh, by 13 mm-hmm. points because Florida Gulf Coast shot the lights out. But um, you know, with UConn now absent from the conference, this is this is the top contender right now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it's amazing how, yeah, I would, and and how with how things change, the more they sort of stay the same for this program, which means that this team is still an amazing defensive team. Uh, right yeah. now, it's it's top. You could say it's, it's it's arguably one of the top ten best in women's college basketball. They've held four of their six opponents to less than fifty points. Their opponents are shooting less than thirty five percent from the field. I think they're top ten in scoring defense on the year, uh, and so it, it's just you know the. There's a lot of uh, room for error offensively when their the, their defense is playing this well, and uh, you know I, I will say the, the I I got to see a little bit of uh, USF USF's women's women's basketball game uh, team on uh, Saturday because they were playing the early game against ECU before the men came on with you know the UCF game uh, between US, UCF and USF on Saturday, so I got to see about the second half really of that USF game and that's a very good team. And so I, I know that's the matchup that people will continue to look for toward the end of the year. Uh, and uh, looking at them there, it was um, impressive. So certainly UCF has, has stood out. And I really, again, those matchups against USF are going to be fantastic. Yeah. And, we're gonna, and it's a shame that we have to wait until the end of basically the end of the season because their first matchup yeah. in South Florida will be at home all the way on February 7th, basically a month from now. And then they play him again in Tampa to close out the season uh, on March the second. But uh, in the meantime, um, by the way, uh, some some quick numbers on uh, UCS women's team, which I think has just been um, it's really interesting at this point. They're sixth in the country in scoring defense, fifty point three points per game allowed. Um, and uh, even though their scoring offense has not been very good, they're averaging fifty eight point two, which is two hundred and seventy first. Oh. Yeah. Uh, 
there. Uh, this is uh, don't tell Coach Abe this. Um, UCF is actually 24th in the country in three-point field goal percentage, 38.8 percent, which is really good. Uh, and they're 34th in the country in field goal percentage defense. They're holding teams to 34.7 percent from the field, yeah. which is that that's that's not off the charts great. But that's really good. I mean, when you if you're holding teams to one basket out of every three shots, they make that's gonna that's gonna bode well for you. Even though even if you're shooting as UCF is about 43 percent, which is in the top 100, not not bad, but not great either. Um, so that's and that's how they've been winning. I mean, the defense has really been has really been something. So that's been this. They've been a fun team to watch to this point. And uh, again, hopefully they can get their game in on Saturday against uh, against Temple. By the way, standings check: UCF three and zero, USF five and zero, Temple three and zero. So there's your three undefeated teams at the top of the league. Um, and uh, USF, of course, is number eighteen and nineteen or nineteen, depending upon which. Uh, poll you look at at least at this point we don't have anything from the net officially of of yet but um this is a big two-game stretch because it's temple three and zero in the conference ecu three and two in the conference and they're fourth so if ucf can get these two um road games taken care of um this is going to be that's going to bode well for them going forward because they have cincinnati at home um, Cincinnati's kind of off to a struggling start right now, one and three in the league. The SMU game for the 20th was canceled. And then UCF goes to Houston, who's two and two again. So they get, so, uh, they get another shot at the Cougs, uh, on, uh, on, uh, on, uh, January 23rd. So another shot at, uh, oh, wait, Ronald Huey, the head coach of Houston was an assistant here under Joy Williams. And, um, and they held, uh, Brittany on who, who was on UCF before she transferred, um, they they held her pretty uh, pretty solidly off the bench. She was one of their leading scorers. So um, so that's that's how big that win was. So it's a it's a good stretch for UCF right now coming up. Um, and the schedule is it doesn't have many easy spots until after that first South Florida game um, in the early part of February. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a interesting ride. Let's see what they can come up with here with these games coming up on the road. Let's take a break. Uh, obviously, this will be a shorter show than we're than you're normally used to. Not not the least of which because Eric's not here, like constantly, like going on and on. God, he goes off on tangents. Now that's a little bit just neat. just just think of the fights you guys are missing out on getting into right. I know, now. I know. This is like remarkably like you know, it's 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 so easy going. Like we're not fighting with each other. It's great. All right. We'll be right back. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about football coming up. Randy Shannon's contract. We now have uh, we now have some information on that. Um, UCF also welcomes a new running backs coach and Parker Boudreaux. Is he going to be a pro wrestler? We'll talk about that more when we get back. It's the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show, Jeff and Brian. With you here. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. Also at Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. Uh, we are SB Nation's home for your UCF Knights. Um, one of the stories we have up there, I actually got to give credit to uh, Matt Merchell of the Orlando Sentinel on this, who did the legwork and he deserves credit for it. But um, as we talk about football, we finally know what the status of Randy Shannon's contract is. Thanks to Matt for pulling up a... Uh, uh, a uh, public records request, actually. He had to do it through the, for the Orlando Sentinel. Turns out, this is from the article, that uh, 
Randy Shannon signed a two-year deal in February that keeps him under contract through January 31st, 2022. The agreement had not been previously reported. If the school were to fire him without cause, UCF would owe him 100% of his $1 million base salary. Um, and uh, let's see, what else do we have here? So um, <clears throat> obviously, the, you know, let's be, let's be real here. The, there have been a lot of fans who, who have been upset about the defense's performance this year. Uh, blown leads, giving up a lot of points. And UCF's def- defense was not very good this past season by the rankings. Um, nonetheless, there were plenty of opt-outs, and then there were also there was also the incident um, over the fall where four starters were kicked off the team. Um, according to the article from uh, Matt, twelve. This is what I think was amazing: twelve UCF players earned their first career starts on defense during 2020, which mm-hmm. you know tells you a lot of maybe some of the depth issues that UCF was dealing with um, there. But now at least we know that uh, Shannon will be here. Um, through the through the 2021 season. Now, Brian, I went back and I looked at the um, numbers for UCS defense per possession. You can see that on blackandgoldbanneret.com. What I thought was interesting was this. Um, yes, uh, UCF gave up some some rather high numbers in terms of um, uh, in terms of giving up uh, scoring, but. They actually caused more turnovers this past season than they had the previous season. And as we know, 2019, that was a pretty good year for UCF's um, defense. But uh, even though their stop rate was 12 percentage points lower than it was the previous season, their takeaway rate was 7 percentage points higher. So what does that mean? Well, obviously, they uh, they gave up a uh, they gave up a lot of points, but they did a lot of what Randy... Randy's defensive scheme expects them to do with the offense on the field for so short. Yeah, you're going to bend, but don't break. But a lot of the times they were able to break their opponents with uh, turnovers and fourth down stops. So as we look at 2021 now, Murph, and we know that Randy Shannon is going to be there. What is the objective right now? What's what at least bodes well for UCF? And what are the questions that they have to answer on defense? Well, I, in terms of personnel, again, I think we, we mentioned this after the bowl game, is I am just so fascinated as to see what happens with their secondary uh, because you have basically the development of, of the young freshman corners uh, like Corey Thornton and, and Justin Hodges, Devontae Brown, uh, but then also working in more of Devon Wilson who came in and, and got his eligibility midway through the year and was able to play at nickelback and also replacing Richie Grant at safety. Like Eric said last week, it's it's not easy or often that we have to replace a you know a Thorpe Award finalist, which I believe that award is given, is being given out tonight on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Uh, and so, how UCF has to really rebuild and, and that, maybe not rebuild the entire secondary, but also they certainly rebuild their their safety position and then see how the corners grow. I think is the most pressing question. But I think Jeff that the the because we. We've seen that now Randy is back for another year. I know people are um, perturbed, to put it lightly. Uh, I, I think you're going to see more of that just sort of like heavy pressure style, uh, very advantageous. And again, like you said, try to you know end possessions early with a turnover. And that's going to lead to some gambling. And sometimes you're going to lose on gambling. Uh, and, and so if people you know haven't liked that, uh, that that strategy, then they're probably going to not like it next year either, because I think it's, gonna, it's still going to be the same. I don't think Randy's going to all of a sudden change 
you know, fundamentally what his philosophy is on defense, um, you know, next year all of a sudden. Uh, that doesn't mean that all that doesn't mean that, you know, this defense is going to be uh, just as bad or people should be worried that it's not going to improve. Like year to year, things change so drastically in, in you know, in, inside a lineup. Players evolve at different rates. Guys come onto the scene and have their star turn when maybe it wasn't wasn't expected. Things happen. And so I would just say, look, he's back for another year. That probably means to me a lot more turnovers, a lot more tackles for loss, probably some busted coverages, probably some plays where guys are out of position because they're gambling. But it is what it is. That's, that's sort of what you buy in for with this defense. And and you would hope that with the guys who are back, which are quite a lot, there are quite a lot of guys who are back. Talented guys, line. too. Yeah, I mean, the front, line, the front line guys, the guys on the defensive line, a lot of those guys are back. Uh, Eric Gilliard and and Tatum and Tatum Bethune uh, and, and Jeremiah Jean Baptiste are all back. Uh, so there's a lot of the personnel is back. And so you imagine another year in the system. They're full time starters. There's no interruption during the year. Hopefully, with anybody getting kicked off the team, pray not. Um, and, and you would hope they'd be better. And I, I think people should leave. I think people should have an open mind to consider that. I think people saw this headline. And then go, oh my God! It's not. It's just. It's. It's going to be another awful year on defense. Like, no, I really. I mean, this team is. This team has been good with Randy Shannon as its DC as of like a couple of years ago. Like, I don't think all of a sudden now he's a bad defensive coordinator or he runs a bad system or he's got bad players. I think the players are fine. I think this was a total year of adjustment in more ways than one for so many. Uh, you talked about you know the youth movement and how many freshmen played. That's that's hard to do for these guys, especially in this kind of year where COVID changes everything. COVID dictates everything. Um, so I, I I I saw that when I saw that from uh, Matt, I was like, okay, fine. At least we know now because we, we we'd wonder now aloud openly whether or not there would be a change coming. I think I said that it probably would be uh, because UCF wouldn't pay him this much money in a pandemic. But well, it, it turns out they will. So. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's take a look at this, though, right? I mean, we know about the numbers from this year. It, <laughs> many, many moons ago in 2019, Brian Murphy, um, UCF's defense was 32nd in total defense, uh, 26th in passing yards allowed, and 3rd in team passing efficiency defense allowed. Uh, and the average giving up 23 points per game. Um, you know, so it's not, and also they were fifth in the country in lowest third down percentage allowed. So it's not like this team suddenly, uh, it, it, you know, it, that, that there was this, it wasn't like there was a, a, a constant regression, right? Yeah. And, and I do believe, I, I think what, you know, kind of what you're saying is, is exactly right. I do think that given the experience that guys like Josh Seliscar and Traymon Morris Brash and, you know, Justin Hodges, Devontae Brown, um, the, the, and Devod Wilson, you know, who, by the way, I mean, talk about a guy getting thrown in in the middle of the season. Wow, that poor guy. But um, I do believe that the UCF defense is bound for a rebound in 2021, you know, assuming everything goes well. Now, the big question that I, I have is, well, what kind of a spring football season are we going to have? How much of a summer practice are we going to have? Because remember, this this past year there was no spring practice, and there was barely anything over the summer. So mm-hmm. because of because of the pandemic. Now, again, 
a lot of that's out of UCF's control. And everyone also is, well, I, actually, I shouldn't say that because not everybody is dealing with the same issue because it varies from state to state what the uh, what is allowed and what isn't. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's entirely possible that we could look back at 2020 and just say, yeah, that was the COVID year. Yeah. Yeah. So possibly. And again, like when you when you're in this league, which is really a pass heavy league and you've got freshman corners and now you're playing a backup safety after half a year, uh, your pass defense is probably going to get a little exposed. Yeah, it's probably it's it's not what you want. Not what you want. It's, you know, to quote you, who quotes Joe Girardi all the time. But <laughs> um, but at least, you know, at least we know that that Shannon will be there. Um, the players will have another the, these young players who he brought in will have another shot at uh, redeeming themselves from 2020. And I'm hoping to get some some of those offensive numbers up there for the uh, 20, 2020 season uh, in the possession numbers fairly soon. But all right. But again, I wanted to give props to Matt Michelle for doing the legwork on that. That's not easy. And he was able to pull it off. All right. Uh, moving right along. New running backs coach. So uh, now UCF did lose their previous running backs coach. Now, who do you, who did they bring in here, Murph? They brought in Matt Merritt, who is who was the running backs coach at James Madison on the FS and the FCS level for the past two years. Uh, and you know, there's, James Madison, uh, by the way, usually pretty good year in and year out. <laughs> yes, and and by the way, in in 2019, which was James Madison's last season, obviously because the FCS uh, didn't play this year. Uh, you know, the 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 uh, the Dukes ran for more than 3,000 yards. Uh, they, they, you know, and Merritt sort of handled the four. There was like a four back rotation in that backfield, and he had a couple of guys combined for more than two thousand yards, and I think fourteen or fifteen touchdowns. One of the players who was on his roster last year, or back in twenty nineteen, or really last year too, because it's I guess those guys didn't leave, but they didn't play either. But one guy who was on James Madison and was coached by Merritt was Jawan Hamilton, the Hammer, UCF. Yeah, former UCF running back in 2016 and 17. So uh, that is like the one UCF tie-in here. But uh, but now Matt Merritt will come to UCF, replacing Anthony Tucker, who left for Utah, Utah State, uh, I assume immediately after the bowl game. Because Anthony Tucker did coach the bowl game, was there. Uh, and then I assume as soon as the clock hit zero, like, okay, I'm, I'm going west. Yeah, he was, on his, uh, he was on a plane to Logan right after that. So uh, and so now Matt Merritt, really, it'll be interesting to see what he can sort of do with what, you know, is, is a really a, a pretty big overhaul of that position for UCF, considering that your lead running back, I, I think, in name right now is probably Bentavious Thompson. And then you really don't know what you've got in the likes of Demarius Good or Johnny Richardson um, because they really haven't played a ton. And then certainly R.J. Harvey, the transfer from Virginia, only got a few carries last year. He's converting from quarterback to running back. And then you have the true freshman, the local true freshman, Anthony Williams, uh, you know, another big back kind of like out of the Bentavious Thompson mold. Uh, so it's a very – it is a very unproven crop of running backs that Merritt now has to coach. UCF is losing 75% of their rushing yards from running backs last year in Greg McRae and Otis Anderson. So mm-hmm. – uh, there, this is this is a this is a position to to certainly keep an eye on throughout the entire year, to sort of see how it all unfolds and if there are any fingerprints uh, of merit of merit's work here. We'll see. Um, but certainly, he did have a lot of success with with the Dukes. 
And also, I think a little interestingly, although I think we might, I, I don't want to make this too big of a deal. He did. He was an assistant. He was an assistant running backs coach at Ohio State about six or seven or eight years ago, and did work with Ezekiel Elliott and Carlos Hyde. And I like those sort of things because it makes you feel like, well, he had a huge, he had a huge role in their development as like major NFL stars. Like, yeah, it's probably not true because he was only an assistant running backs coach, but it still sounds great. Well, it's. I mean. You know, he should take some credit for that, at least. I mean, I'm sure there's something that he could pass along with that. But I, I do I do see your point on the running back production. I mean, let's face it, you're you're losing 1,400 yards, 1,400 net yards uh, of production out of your 2,100 or so net rushing yards from last season, like you said, two-thirds of it. Um, obviously, Benno Thompson is the... Uh, leading returning rusher at 382. But, you know, like we said, he, he did show some signs uh, last year. Um, by the way, you see who the second leading returning rusher is on UCF? It should be Demarius. Well, as well as you're talking about non-running backs? It's no, Dylan it's Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> With 169 uh, net yards, 310 gain. Of course, of course, you know, they lo- he loses a bunch of that yardage on sacks. But still, that gives you an indication of, you know, where UCF has to really rebuild the running back stable. Um, you know, uh, uh, but the guys who are back there, you know, I thought we would see more of them this past year. I thought we would see more Johnny yeah. Richardson. I thought we would see more um, R.J. Harvey. Demarius Good, we actually saw a lot of him on special teams in terms of returning kicks, but uh, even though he didn't return that many, he was there, he was a returner. And Richardson did a little bit of that too, but um, there is talent. There's definitely talent there. It's just a question of how do they develop. And again, just like we were talking about with the defense, that spring practice, man, that's going to yeah. that's gonna I, play I mean, a big I'm, role. I'm very excited for Johnny Richardson. I mean, he just looks like, oh, we're just bringing in another Adrian Killens Yeah, we're, we're trying to do here. Like, yeah, I want all of that. Like, give me some of that. <laughs> uh, I have no idea what to make of R.J. Harvey because, again, he came in, not only he came in pretty, you know, right before the season, but he is converting back to basically, you know, a new posi- a, a different position. That's a, that's a tough transition. We'll see with Anthony Williams, the true freshman, I mean, he, he looks it looks great because, you know, he's this kind of this big bowling ball kind of guy that Yusef doesn't have a lot of. You, typically, they're not the kind of running backs that they star with in these past two years. Um, so, but we'll see. And, and with Ventavious, he did show also in 2019 when Otis Anderson, or excuse me, when Greg McRae had his ankle injury, Ventavious got expanded workload in 2019 and played well. Yeah. I, I just we, we haven't seen him be like an extended guy where Yusef can really lean on him for half the season or more. That he's the number one guy. Um I would imagine that wouldn't be the case. I think Yusef would like to get someone in there who is more of a game breaker, more electric, more of a big run guy. Bentavius is a guy you bring in, in the second half to wear teams down. Yeah. He's he's kind of a little bit more of a bruiser in the in the mold of like a Taj McGowan. Like that we saw yeah. a couple years ago, and um, I know the fans, I, and I'm I'm one of them. I you know I get excited every time I see that guy carry the ball because uh, you know I think he's super talented, and it's just he has so much potential. But you know, again, with a lot of the cases with the UCF, because they sub so much on offense, it's running back by committee. So, and this is a team that last year, even with all that, they were 25th in the country in rushing offense, 210 yards a game. So yeah. you know, and, and you know, is there going to be a fall off in production? I don't know, but <laughs> these guys are going to get the ball. So. Uh, we'll have to see how they develop. All right, last story before we go. Um, Parker Boudreaux is has been in the news this week, and this is a fun one. I, I really do wish we had Elo in here to break it down because 
um, then we'd be going on for a while. <laughs> but uh, uh, so uh, Eric uh, wrote a post on the site. Could Parker Brujo be leaving for UCF for a pro wrestling career in 2021? Um Paul Heyman, the legendary Paul Heyman, um, uh, longtime, uh, you know, onstage manager for WWE, he's involved in talent development, um, is uh, basically retweeted uh, Parker Boudreaux uh, over the week, and uh, and you know, Boudreaux put up a picture of himself, you know, flexing, and said 2020 is going to be 2021 is going to be something special. And then Paul Heyman retweeted that and said, his tweet's not a prediction, it's a spoiler. Save this hashtag hustle tweet for future historical reference. Uh, and then he tagged Parker Boudreau uh, in there. So, uh, and then in addition to that, Murph, you guys were, uh, you, you being the pro wrestling magnate that you are, uh, <laughs> they, uh, found uh, some more information uh, out and around about Parker Boudreau floating around the internet with regard to pro wrestling. What'd you find out? Yeah, so Parker did this interview uh, with Lucha Libre Online, which is, uh, you know, it's 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 in uh, Spanish. So to turn on your Google Translate if, if you're not uh, bilingual. But in it, they have an exclusive interview with Parker Boudreaux and sort of labeling him the next big thing, uh, which, again, when, when, when I would say Parker Boudreaux's when his, I don't know if it's his idol, but when Brock Lesnar came into WWE, that was his nickname too, the next big thing. And Certain people have been drawing the lines between Parker Boudreaux and Brock Lesnar because they look so much alike. Um, but Parker Boudreaux says in this interview uh, about, you know, they ask him whether or not he has, you know, any uh, intentions to join a wrestling co- uh, company. And Parker says, quote, I can't say much about this, but I'll be joining a professional wrestling company. So, so one thing there, I think this is awesome. Uh, <laughs> two, two, we don't know when this will happen. There's no specification of like, uh, oh, he's gone. Like, as far as I know, Parker Boudreaux is still a member of the UCF football team. Uh, and so, yeah. as of the time on. we're recording this on January 7th, he's still listed on the on the roster. Right. And he's still a member of the team. Uh, so, I wouldn't say like all of a sudden, like, oh, that's it. His football career is done. He's going to wrestling. Uh, and because Paul Heyman, uh, what, you know, re- did uh, quote tweet him. You would certainly get the sense that that maybe he, if he did sign, if he had signed somewhere, it is you know WWE or, or their development company, uh, because Paul Heyman has been a longtime writer, almost going on two decades now, for WWE television. So uh, we'll see. I wouldn't say that this is the end of Parker Boudreaux's football career. We don't know, uh, but certainly we're going to see Parker Boudreaux uh, in a, I think a WWE, WWE or NXT ring in you know relative near future and that's gonna be i, I can't wait that's gonna be interesting gonna be great yeah it's gonna be great i mean we know we know this guy is a huge wrestling fanatic we it was a very, very the very very popular video before the 2019 season or was the 20 i think it was the 2019 season where he comes out of the tunnel in the bounce house but it's to brock lesnar's music i mean that that is that is parker boudreau that is his essence uh and so uh, we'll see what happens, but it certainly, you know, it definitely sounds like his future. He has a future in wrestling. We'll see when it starts. We have no idea, um, but I'm I'm terribly excited for this. Boudreaux uh, is listed at six four three zero one, and he's a local kid too. Like he he's from Winter Garden originally. He went to Bishop Moore High School um, before he went to Notre Dame and then transferred back to UCF. But um, officially, he's listed as a redshirt 
Jr. Now, he was a redshirt junior in 2019 um, Mm -hmm. when he actually started all 13 games at right guard. Now, in 2020, he was active, was it for one game, and then he didn't, and he didn't play. Is that right? Right. So he suffered a concussion early on in the year, I believe in preseason maybe, that kept him out. And then he was active for the Memphis game. Uh, and I, I remember, I, mean, I saw him there. I mean, I see, I saw him suited up on the sidelines. He put out a tweet before that game saying he was, you know, back ready to roll. But he didn't play in that game. And then, really, Jeff, we didn't see him again. And, you know, Josh Heupel is not one to give out information. We, we never found out, like, to the letter why exactly what happened to Parker Boudreaux. I do, you know, we do know that he didn't opt out technically of the season because that's what Heupel right. said. We didn't say um, see any any announcement of that. So no, and but we didn't. But after that Memphis game, we didn't see him again. But he is technically still part of this team. All right. Um, and should he come back for 2021, he would be a redshirt senior, from what I meant, because he retains that year of eligibility. From uh, twenty two, unless he, unless of course he actually redshirted, which I, I again we've seen no indication of that, and then also he was a redshirt at Notre Dame, so um, well he could have also. I mean, again, we're, we're this is kind of speculating, but he maybe he gets a medical redshirt because of whatever forced him out this year was a medical reason. Again, he did start the year with a concussion, uh, and, and maybe that maybe that persisted. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, or maybe we see him in NXT in the next couple months. We have no what? idea, Parker. Oh. Tell us what's going on with you, man. Let's we 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 want to start printing the T-shirts. I mean, I, I, this is gonna be great. He's gonna, he's. Uh, it feels like he's a natural fit. I, I you know, I, we've talked. To he's him got the look. Like, <laughs> you he know, definitely has the look. You know, he's got the. Everybody knows he's got the look. Uh, I would say also we've talked to him a few times, and he's not the most like like bombastic talker. Uh, as far as like you know, you want a guy on the mic who sounds great, but who knows? Because. When people are talking to us, you know, after practice, they're all sweaty and they're tired and they're football players and they've been coached up not to say anything. But we know through his social media channels that Parker Boudreaux has a massive personality. And so I, I don't think there'll be a, a, a hard transition for him to become obviously the physical skills, the physical build is there. We'll see if his, you know, the skills are there too. But also on the mic, which is so important, I don't think he's going to struggle at all. I think, I think that personality is going to shine through. And that's another reason why he's going to, you know, he's a he's a hot commodity. I mean, people are talking about Parker Boudreaux. I mean, people and it's not about football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I if 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 what happens, what we think may happen actually does happen. Boy, it's going to be it's going to be pretty exciting. I here's what I want. And I wish we had Lopez on to talk about this because I would kill for an NXT Parker Boudreaux Cal Bloom showdown. <laughs> we might get it. And look, this story uh, doesn't really have a expiration date right now, so I'm sure when we have ne- when we convene next week, we can have Eric go deep on this anyway. Oh I yeah, mean, we may. Uh, we Eric is probably going to demand that we de- that we dedicate an entire show to this. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, and we'll probably have extra guests involved. I don't know. I, listen, I just wanted to mention it and then fi- listen. Put it in your back pocket. If if what goes down goes down, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about it even more. I'm sure. So, um, but anyway, yeah, this is gonna be um, this is, it's gonna be a story that we follow. And you know, like you said, Parker is such a a personality as big or bigger than he is. And you know, he's six four he's six four three zero one. 
So, um, boy, that's going to be fun to watch. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, uh, Murph. Like I said, hey, we got the, it was a quick show. We actually achieved our objective here. So, um, what do you, what are you doing, uh, this week? What do you, what do you got coming up? What do you, what's on your radar? I'm, I, I can't wait to watch some UCF alums in the NFL playoffs, right? We've got Gabriel Davis with the Bills. Yep. Matthew, possibly Matthew Wright with the Steelers. I know, uh, that Chris Boswell is practicing this week, so we'll see what happens there. But yep. Matthew Wright. How about uh, Matt Wright as a rookie? A perfect eight for eight. Yeah, no, he's ten for ten now. Oh, ten for ten. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think he's. I, I believe he's only four for four on field goals. But if you include extra points, it is ten for ten. Uh, he made a couple of forty-six yarders in week seventeen, uh, which would be his NFL NFL career long in his rookie year. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's shown himself uh, at least deserving of an NFL roster spot. Uh, so there's that. But so I, I'm I'm excited to see that. You know, Gabe. Davis had one of the best games of his NFL career, catching the two longest passes of his NFL career, 51 yards, 56 yards, the latter one for a touchdown in Week 17 against the Dolphins. Sorry, Eric. And <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then we'll see what happens over the weekend with, with UCF basketball, if there are any other pronouncements regarding the, the Temple game. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, I would like I said earlier, hopefully we get to talk um, to Johnny Dawkins on Monday. And we'll also have to ask about Isaiah Adams because Isaiah Adams didn't play in that USF game, was ruled out with a non-COVID illness, uh, as I was told before tip-off. And uh, when we talked to Johnny Dawkins after this past Monday before the Memphis game, he said then he didn't know whether or not uh, Isaiah would be able to play, called him a game-time decision. So we'll see if he's back for the Temple game next week. But we'll also get to see if they're going to play next week. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. So... Um, yeah, we're hoping that all of this gets cleared up soon so that we can get back to basketball. We just don't know, at least at this point. But, you know, as we are, we're in a holding pattern. And that's with the other spring sports. Also, we should be seeing some schedules dropping pretty soon. We already seen, um, we've already seen uh, the volleyball schedule pop up. And we're waiting on soccer and baseball and softball know. as well. I don't so. know what the holdup is. I mean, I, I mean, I can speculate, yeah. but like. Baseball had its schedule out like it, well, for, for the 2019 season or excuse me, for the 2020 season, they had their schedule out like around uh, December 2019. Like, guys, it's January. We, we got to go. Right. We yeah. got season starting in six weeks. We got we got we got flights to book. I mean, like, you know, we got to figure this thing out. But, you know, hey, 2021, man, here we go. So. All right. Uh, once again, if you want to follow us, you certainly can at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Also, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. And, of course, at Black and Gold Banneret.com. If you like the show, please leave us a like and a comment um, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're listening on an Apple device, make sure you uh, leave that on the, uh, on the Apple Podcast app. If you listen on an Android device... Wherever it may, wherever whichever podcast app of your choice, please leave a comment uh, and uh, and leave us a rating um, as well. Uh, sorry, Eric. We'll talk more about Parker Boudreaux <laughs> next time around. But uh, for all of us here at Black and Gold Banner and Brian Murphy, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. Uh, enjoy the week, and we will catch you again next week here on the Black and Gold Banner podcast. We'll see you then.